Welcome to the Box Tunnel Survivors Group, a place for those affected by the issues raised in the TV show, Being Human. It's going to be the most beautiful day. Welcome to the Box Tunnel Pod. And today we are covering what I consider to be a really classic episode of Being Human. Does my guest Elizabeth agree with me? Find out soon. Oh, the tension. At this exact moment as I sit here and you sit there or stand there or walk or wash up, before we get into The Longest Day, we are exactly halfway through Being Human. Uh, not including the pilot, just the from series one to series five, we are exactly halfway through. So it's a milestone of some sort. The halfway, that's the milestone. Before we carry on, I'll just do the admin. And if you want to support me on this mad old journey of doing a podcast about a show that's over 10 years old, you can go to coffee.com slash box tunnel pod. I will leave a link in the show notes and there you can basically donate any kind of money you would like if you'd like at all you might not and it just helps the running costs of the show uh, any donation is gratefully received and is much appreciated you can find the podcast on twitter at box tunnel pod and on tumblr as box tunnel pod as well and on t- facebook and Instagram as the Box Tunnel Survivors Group. If you want to come on the show and discuss an episode of Being Human, we're starting to take people on for Series 4 now. You can contact me at boxtunnelpod at gmail.com. Now, on to The Longest Day. It first aired on 20th of February 2011. It was written by Sarah Phelps and directed by Philip John. As well as the quartet... We have returning roles for Jason Watkins as Herrick, Rebecca Cooper as Kara. We also get a visit from the brilliant Nicola Walker as Wendy. Here's my chat with Shoo, or Elizabeth as normal human beings call her. Joining me for the second stint on the podcast, uh, welcome to the show. Hi Mikey, how are you? I'm very good. Now, earlier on... You said you were going to delay this by an hour because you had shut yourself out of the house. We we are actually recording at the time we we stated. How did you shut yourself out of the house? Did you just, just forget the key? Yeah, so me and my partner leave at the same time in the morning but don't get home at the same time. And he locked up this morning. Um, and yeah, I left the key at home. So I was kind of waiting in the um, like the side passage of my house for him to come home but he came home early for me so that was nice and I was listening to the podcast I was catching up that is the correct answer well done well done for doing your homework (laughs) I was at a music festival this weekend I was going back to the accommodation this is one of the rare times that I wasn't drunk this weekend because I stayed up to four o'clock most every night and I walked into the accommodation walked up the stairs We're we're on the top floor put my key card on Bob and it, was, it just wasn't clicking it wasn't clicking 
And I was like, right. And I stood there for about 30 seconds thinking, why am I not getting this door? And I knocked on the door because as far as I knew, everyone was still in the in the chalet. I was like, right. So I tried again for another 30 or 40 seconds. Then I looked at the number on the door and I was like, we were block S and this was block R. I was in the wrong block and I've been wasting a... <laughs> the wrong building. <laughs> yeah. Entirely the wrong building. And I just, why is no one in? Why is no one letting me? Why is no one answering? If if anyone had been in, someone would just answer the door to me going, hello? What? Who are you? So it's happened to us all. In honour of the return of our Dark Lord Herrick, I thought I would ask you the question, what to you are the three greatest TV comebacks of all time? I don't know if they're the greatest, but they're ones that came into my mind as being kind of meaningful to me. Um, So the first one was um, in the US office when Michael Scott comes back at the end um, for Dwight's wedding because his story had kind of wrapped up and he'd left but he, it was really important for him to be there at the end for the wedding. So, um, but he just came back quietly and he like delivered just two lines. So it was very much, it was about everyone else, but he was there. So that was nice. Do you like the UK version? I haven't watched, I think we watched the US one during lockdown. Um, and I hadn't really had any introduction to it at all either version but um yeah my partner was just he was always getting screenshots from it on reddit and stuff and so eventually we were like okay we need to let's watch this over lockdown so the other one kind of following on from that the idea of a character coming back just right at the end of a series to make it to kind of round it off um this is a throwback, but the the Robin Hood that was on the BBC with Jonas Armstrong as Robin Hood years ago. Um, that was the first show that made me cry. I didn't think I was capable of crying at a show. I thought you were going to just say in general. <laughs> just, I'm a robot. <laughs> well, I did think that at that time. Um <laughs> But yeah, just right at the end, he's dying and I'm just there in floods of tears. And then Marion comes back and she died like a series before. And it was just for a, a glimmer of a moment. And it was like, oh, that was just right. Yeah, it was like he was dying and then she just kind of walks through Sherwood Forest and is like, oh, come with me to the other side. Not like that, but it was just a nice moment because... <laughs> was it was just she was all dressed in white and glowy um (laughs) what do you mean not like that (laughs) the way you said it's like she was dressed in laundry come with me to the other side no (laughs) that could have been what they were getting up to wouldn't surprise me but um he'd just been really miserable for series three and it was like no he needed to go and go and be with her he needed to die. Hey, someone miserable in a series three that needed to die. <laughs> oh, I wonder where that comes from. Um, and finally, Doctor Who does it all the time, brings people back. And I'm just, I didn't 
watch much of um, the last couple of series of Doctor Who, but but for some reason it was on the TV, the last episode, and I caught the end of it, and David Tennant came back. I was just so excited, it felt like I was about 13 again. So yeah, that's this weekend, or last weekend by the time we air. So I'm really excited. I think it's actually the day this podcast comes out, I think, when that first episode comes out with David Tennant, yeah. Yeah, there's still quite a bit of mystery about it. That They're saying that he is the official next Doctor and it's not like some weird time split or any or another version of David Tennant's Doctor. They're saying it is a whole new Doctor. But I'm sure there's something at play there. I'm sure there's something going on. I'm, I'm not like a massive Doctor Who fan, but I am really looking forward to, to, to these specials. And, and seeing Shooty as the Doctor as well. So, in terms of the return of Herrick, do you remember how you first felt when he reappeared in Series 3? I know that there was kind of a hint he'd come back at the end of Series 2, but when he came back in Series 3, and in the way he came back... In- um, I think I was kind of approaching the height of my being human mania, so everything they did was amazing. Um, I think I was excited about it and also not sure what was going to happen, but I definitely think I was, I was excited to see what they did. And as fans, we were so excited to see Jason Watkins back. So they are, they are, they are incorporating the storyline, a mystery about why he's back. I, I just think as fans, we were just like, oh my God, Jason Watkins back, Herrick is back. And he's in the house. That is insane. That it was just too too exciting. If you had any doubts about a character being dead and coming back, it was just too exciting. And also, like I've watched this, it's really a difficult thing to do. I remember a few years ago, I watched this with a a friend who I lived with at the time. And it's difficult to watch a TV show that you love so much with someone who's not that interested or not that bothered by it. Because I remember watching this episode, and it finished. And they kind of looked at me and said, not a lot happened in that episode, did it? And I was just like, are you kidding? <laughs> the whole house is turning in on each other. Herrick's back. Kara's back. All the, you know, Nina's against George. Mitchell's against Nina. Annie's against Nina. The, the centre of it is there. Herrick. Loads happened. And they just went, nah. <laughs> yeah, I think that I felt that Rewatching today, um, kind of in isolation because I haven't really rewatched the previous episodes recently. Um, it it's not really one you should go back to in isolation. I don't think. I think it it's very miserable and uh, it's it, it's definitely pivotal, but it's it's not quintessentially being. I I fancy watching the longest day. <laughs> See, I do go back to this. Over the years, I have gone back to this in isolation, just gone, I want to watch The Longest Day. Is it because I'm miserable? It could be. <laughs> I remember the first time I watched this and I thought that's one of the most perfect hours of TV that I've seen. Yeah, especially the last 15 minutes of it. It just it goes to an extra level in the last 15 minutes of it. Okay, so we'll make a start, and in a scene that's reminiscent of the Green Day video for Basket Case, Herrick is seen rolling around the asylum with a load of mad people. Kind of one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of vibes going on. 
what do you think of this depiction of mental health? <laughs> at the time, I probably didn't question it. But now I look, this is one of the things I look at now and think, what are they trying to go with here? Is it the fact that, I, I know they're doing it for effect, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and no control or anything. Um, no, I've, I don't have any experience of walking around one of those wards, but I think I agree with you. I think that it would be handled differently today. I know, yeah, I know a couple of people who have, who do work on mental health and psychiatric wards, and you know, those kind of things do happen. But I think it's the fact that everyone is doing it. Yeah, yeah, just out in the hallways. Yeah, it's not even just like one or two people; it's everyone, and even the staff seem bloody off their heads. George buys Herrick and then follows him to the corridor where Herrick is cowering on the floor. And it turns out that tenuously, Herrick is going to be on the local news, and this panics George. I do like the the staff member. I've forgotten what they they called his name is in the credits, but look, me on the bastard telly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and George is just totally zoned out to that. He's just vaguely nodding. Meanwhile, Nina and Annie are getting broody over Norge or Gina. Her phone rings, and George shrieks down the phone. Nina, proactive as ever, comes up with a plan to get Herrick out of the hospital. And the map plan is almost scuppered. Nina comes up with the excuse that he's her uncle, Billy. But before that, Nina was totally ready to just grab George and run and leave. Like, that was her first response when he when she found out that it could all come open, all of the supernatural stuff. She was like, right, you and me, out of here. Let's leave Mitchell and Annie to deal with it so yeah that was interesting but then she he says no so she just comes up with another plan yeah and it's also i think the fact that like george is almost floored by his react he, he can't do anything he's, he's he's not thinking straight so she has to like do something uh honolulu heights mitchell is looking at that bloody literally scrapbook until a shaken annie shouts up to him what follows is one of my favorite little moments in the entire history of this show as Mitchell comes down the stairs and the zoom in as Mitchell clocks Herrick standing there. Now he's just there for ages, just staring. And everyone's just muttering and mumbling and panicking. And Nina's being all busy and trying to keep things together. But yeah, it takes ages for Mitchell to actually start doing things. Yeah, and I think it's such a surreal moment if you think about the history of the show, the fact that He's there, he's alive at all and back in the show. But the fact that he immediately is standing in their living room, it's such a, a change of scenery, isn't it? George is mumbling while Mitchell processes it all and he bursts into the kitchen to break a chair to create an instant steak. Opening a kitchen drawer, getting a knife out would have probably been a bit quicker, but it would have looked less sexy. They can't kill Herrick with a knife. Why not? Because he's a vampire. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a... Is is there a law? Kara kills herself later with a bloody what is it? A knitting needle. It's it's got a yeah, but it's a wooden knitting needle. I did think that when he was raiding the drawers, I was like thinking about what's in my kitchen drawers, and there's either those little cocktail, those long cocktail skewers that you put marshmallows on, or chopsticks. But I don't think either of those would have been so sexy to kill Eric with. He could have tried poking his eyes with chopsticks. <laughs> I think you could stake someone with a chopstick. 
I don't think it's basically a stake through the heart, isn't it? It's not or a sharp object through the heart. It's not like it's it's got to be wood. It's got to be wood. It's got to be wood. Okay. Yeah, and then Nina. I don't know how because Mitchell is full of rage, but Nina gets Mitchell off Herrick and away from the situation. Yeah, she's. Everyone else was just not doing anything, and Nina was just like, "George, do something," because she she didn't want to physically push Mitchell off but then she had to in the end. I think this is a, a running theme throughout the episode because I think everyone else is paralysed with indecision in this episode where Nina just cuts through the middle of it and gets things done. Whether it's the right things or not she gets things done and everyone else is just faffing around because obviously they've got that connection and they've got the moral dilemma and the the emotion to it whereas Nina's detached from that I suppose. It was also interesting watching this one episode in isolation, having not watched the others for a while, in that I'm very much on the side of Nina and Wendy in this episode. Whereas if you're watching it and you're kind of in the series and you're with the trio, then you're you're more with those three and, oh, Herrick needs to, you know, all of that emotion about Herrick. But Nina's just looking at this, like, we can't just kill this guy, he's, like, helpless and, you know, we've just kidnapped him, basically. That's not what people do. <laughs> when the front door goes at Honolulu, it's usually a bad thing, and this is actually a bad thing in the sense that it's social services. And it must be social services, <laughs> because she, what does Annie say? She looks tired and she's got terrible hair. But yeah, I... I I think in terms of Nina, realistically, they should kill Herrick. Whether he remembers things or not, they probably should kill Herrick. But Nina pushing Mitchell off and the things she does consequently in this episode is again causing troubles down the line. Yeah, she kind of keeps it... I don't know, is she like the, the anchor or the thing that in this episode? Yeah, but that's another thing, whereas... Even though Nina later on has to adapt her behaviour and does something she doesn't want to do, she's doing it with the same end goal that she had at the start of the episode. Whereas everyone else in this episode twists their mind, changes. They're not in a straight line where Nina is in a straight line. And everyone else is confused and they keep changing their minds and not knowing where they are. It goes back to Nina's conscience is always for the good and what she does here is for the good of the household, whereas everyone else is trying to turn on each other or like accuse other people of other things. Yeah, I think this is one of the, the strongest Nina episodes, definitely. Um, so Wendy walks in, uh, played by the brilliant Nicola Roberts, and she clocks the, uh, the uh, beach in the living room. And uh, we didn't even mention the bl- when the door went, George going, What? What, 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 what? <laughs> yes, what, 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 what do they want? <laughs> I'd love to know how many what's were in the script or whether Russell just went, oh, I'm going to put more in, I'm going to put more in. In typical Series 1 style, when someone comes to the door, George is just panicking. Uh, sometimes we have Barbie and beers on the beach. Crazy days, Wendy. Crazy days and crazy, crazy nights. Tea? Oh, and just tea but with the with the hand gestures as well 
another one of those sayings that crept into my nearly everyday life. Crazy days and crazy, crazy nights. Bring on the obligatory kitchen meeting. It's more tense than usual. Mitchell, despite being an arsehole, I think is kind of right in wanting to kill Herrick. And George reluctantly agrees that they should kill him. To the chagrin of Nina. And he says he can't remember them. He's almost human. She's like, oh, you think he's all better now? You think he's cured? And he's uh, he's a bit nasty to her then. The big old question, how much do you think Herrick is bluffing? And how much is memory loss? Because there's certainly an element of a memory loss. I think the first, when I originally watched it, I had no idea. Watching it this time round, it seems really obvious to me that he he doesn't remember that he is... And also the, the madness, that actually disappears a lot quicker than you think. I think that as soon as he gets in the bath, he's like... I've got chill time, and now I'm going to start calculating how to manipulate the situation for the best. Like, whatever's going on, I'm going to try and manipulate it to get my way. Yeah, that's it. I I think this episode, gradually, despite Herrick truly suffering from amnesia, is not hiding his true nature, and that starts creeping out more through the episode. Once he grows with confidence, and once he knows the household is in disarray, he starts manipulating everyone and pushing people apart. Yeah, as soon as he gets... And he has his moment on the mirror and stuff, but he's he's just super calm. He's like the calmest person. Yeah, and I think what why for so long, certainly on the first maybe couple of watches, us as fans didn't know the truth about Herrick, even though there are so many things in the script pointing to the fact that he really does have amnesia, is the fact that Jason Watkins' performance is so nuanced and so on the edge all the time and so unpredictable, it makes you question everything. Because he's, he, he's so, I don't know, uneasy. So it makes you start questioning, even though the script is saying he's got amnesia, he's got amnesia, he, he genuinely has, you still go, nah, it's Herrick, I don't believe it. And I think Jason Watkins, because of when he played Herrick before, knows he can play on that. He can ramp that up and, and make make you question the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, you can still be vulnerable and also be a bastard. Like, there's not... And I think also, we just had no idea what was going on, what the writers had in store for us. So we're just trying to second-guess everything. Yeah, and as you said, a, a big clue in the next scene is where he catches himself in the mirror. Well, he doesn't catch himself in the mirror, that's the issue. And he r- runs around the house. Thankfully, as Daisy would say, covering his winky. <laughs> and I also love the fact that that's the reason that Herrick ends up in the attic. Mitch was like, no, don't let him go in there. And he's just running around the house naked. But yeah, that's an entirely sane reaction to not seeing yourself in the mirror if you didn't know that you were a vampire so i think he's once he gets out that bath he's totally sane he's just playing everybody yeah so nina then tells herrick it was just a trick and that he also has to put on an act for the social services the notion of lying being almost a step too far for herrick is quite a little touch i think because he's questioning so you're telling me to lie but um yeah i think this is now like you say, when he's starting to 
pick up the disarray in the house. Because mm, I noticed they're still talking down to him, even though at that moment he kind of has his wits about him, even though he doesn't have his memory. So he's playing with the fact that they're still talking down to him and they still think he's um, this... Weak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this person who needs to be handled. I think that innocence of, oh, you're telling me to lie, is like him just playing with that idea that he's weak and encouraging that. And also that's just another example of how his confidence is growing throughout the episode because he's not shrieking, he's not crying, he's not panicking, he's speaking very calmly and very measured because he's gauging what the house is and then by the time, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes down the line in the episode, he's arrogant, he's actively arrogant and horrible. So outside a monster prowls as we see Kara descending the hill down towards the house. Wendy filling in time, she's jump scared by the door buzzer and it causes a tenor lady moment. Years ago, I set up a no context being human account. And I know I only did three posts on it because I just gave up on it. The first thing I posted was Wendy with that backdrop and just the, just the three words, tenor lady moment. <laughs> I also think no context accounts always have context. Why stop stop giving context? They they'll give a whole three or four or five sentences and then you you understand the context. <laughs> this is an open plea to all no context accounts. Stop giving context. Not necessary. If you know, you know. If you don't know, then you're like, what the hell? Yeah, that's the way to do it. Kara shows up and Wendy invites her in and the past really is coming back to haunt Mitchell. He takes Kara down to the basement and then it's Nina and George's turn to have a heart-to-heart on the stairs. Just now, Nina says, in the kitchen you agreed to murder. In seven months' time we're going to have a baby. I don't want our baby to have the father who sticks his fingers in his ears and agrees to murder. George storms off, metaphorically sticks his fingers in his ears again. And as the shadow of Herrick hovers above the stairs, it's a good metaphor for this episode in general. There's so much going on in this episode. The the interpersonal relationships with everyone is just all over the place. It's all, all, all so messed up. You can see Nina's right on this, but I can also see that George is right. We've been there through the whole series and we're like, Herrick is the bad guy. Yeah, Nina, you weren't there, ma'am. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she she was, kind of. Uh, In the cellar, Kara says she's been tracking Mitchell down and that Herrick left her at the hospital. She confesses that he told her how to bring him back. He don't know me. He don't know what he's here for. I bled myself near enough over and over just so he can get a taste and realise, but he just screams. You're the only one that can make him how he's supposed to be. So it's there in black and white, really. I mean, if Kara's coming in and saying he doesn't know who I am, he doesn't know what he is, it's there in black and white. And still, at the time, we questioned it. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't, I don't know, look at it from Kara's perspective and think that surely she would be the one to be able to get him to be him. Surely he wouldn't come straight out of the ground and think, right, I need to pretend to not know who I am. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Part of me thinks in this episode is a bit of a tenuous coincidence that Kara turns up. 
I mean, I think it it pays off, but the fact that you know we haven't seen Kara for you know quite a few episodes, and she just happens to turn. I don't know how she's found them, but then I suppose they do work in the hospital. So I don't. Kara's not clever enough to work that out, is she? She said she tracked the dogs. Yeah. So she was, I don't know if she's actually just sniffing yeah, out for the werewolves. <laughs> um, uh, this news brings about a change in tune from Mitchell, as now he wants to know how she brought Herrick back. He confesses, I've been told that I'm going to get got. I don't know when, but one full moon is a, were- a werewolf is going to kill me, Kara, and I'm not prepared to accept that. She says, I'll tell you as soon as you make my Herrick right. Tip for tat, Mitchell. Tip for tat. You help me. You help me with my darling. Go off. Got even her saying that. Well, I will tell you the secret, and then me and you and Herrick will be unstoppable. What? What is the plan there? Uh, yeah, <laughs> she doesn't go really off and tear the world apart. I guess she doesn't really guide Mitchell what to do, but I think he knows. Like he, he's got to get him back on the blood, isn't it? I mean, that's the only way that mm. it would possibly work. Uh, the claustrophobia in the episode builds up more and more because the next scene is like Wendy shouting around what feels like an empty house but it's not and all the angles of the stairways and the hallways Mm. and the strings kicking in it's starting to just like descend Mm -hmm. even further into like darkness which I really like god I am miserable aren't I I I like it when it's really dark I like it when it's really dark (laughs) I like it it when it's dark Uh, Annie rents a ghost into the cellar to alert Mitchell of Wendy's growing impatient, and she puts, and she is put on Kara watch. I'm going nowhere, big bad John. Kara says, and I love the initial frosty non-verbal standoff between Annie and Kara. Uh, even better, Nina and Mitchell are kind of told to work together to show Wendy around the house. This is another thing with the, you know, we don't see a lot of Nina and Mitchell together without George about. And the fact that they've been thrown together, even though they, especially this episode, quite hate each other, to to guide Wendy around the house and try and be normal. Uh, they walk into Annie's mm. room and the one chair, and Wendy is perplexed by this. Mitchell declares it at the contemplation room. Wendy goes on to describe Uncle Billy's report from the hospital. He kept talking about a woman bleeding on him, trying to make him drink her blood. I mean, there's so many funny lines from Wendy. I'm, I, I wouldn't even go to repeat it all. But like, she's this, like you said earlier, she's almost, despite how she comes across, she's almost the most sensible one in the house. Kind Wendy. of. I mean, she's she's off she's off yeah. her head, but she's still quite sane compared to what's going on around the house. But the fact. I would suggest she probably shouldn't work for social yeah. services if she's not picking up on any of the bad vibes going about. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. she just wants it to be okay. Like she's she's optimistic and she does see the best in people. Like when um, Herrick is saying, "Oh, you can, um, you're gonna live here," or I, "You're my friend," mm. and she's like, "Oh, that's so sweet." Like she's, I think she does. I think she likes the best parts of her job, but I think that it just gets too much. So down in the cellar, Kara and Annie bond, and I use that term loosely. She asks how Kara was recruited. It was at the end of her shift. I, I locked up and took the rubbish out the back, and there he was. 
He smiled at me and he took me in his arms. He said I was his bride in glory and the world was all sparkles and gold. <laughs> and, he's, and he stops pouting long enough to retort, a knee trembler by the bins. That's enough to put stars in any girl's eyes. Kara gets defensive. Herrick didn't kill me. He chose me because I was special. He made me part of the master race. Everything I am is for him and he loves me. And she puts her foot in here, Annie. But he doesn't know you, does he? He doesn't know any of us. So if he doesn't know you, doesn't remember, then it's all over, isn't it? And Kara, not the sharpest tool in the box, let's be honest. But she gets a knowing realisation dawn on her face. What do you mean he doesn't know you? He's up at the hospital. And that, what I would say, that, but I don't know if that's a mistake, because she's literally said earlier that Herrick left her at the hospital. Annie casually says, no, he's upstairs. And she pushes past Annie and makes a run for her master. Uh, mm. Nina and Mitchell seem to be actually watching Wendy have an actual pee. Yeah. <laughs> right, I, I mean, need to stand so close to the door. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see this bit, I'm just like, they are, I mean, especially Nina, she's <laughs> staring right into that door. But they are interrupted, but they can't get to Kara in time. And she gets into the attic and a frightened Herrick takes Nina by the hand. Uh, Kara says, you know me really, don't you? I'm your Kara, the chosen one. Together we are in divinity. Herrick slowly walks to her and his entire tone and body language shifts in an instant. You obscene bitch, you filth. I can smell your stink and it turns my stomach. And he's got that, I love this delivery in the sense, there's a really subtle sense that he's got that shake in his voice. Do you know when Herrick really gets angry or like passionate about something? There's that little shake in his voice. And Kara says, I'm nothing without you. And he says, well then. And he raises his eyebrows and offers a sadistic little grin. You are nothing. And he moves a step closer. Don't you look ugly mm. when you're crying. And then he changes again instantly by going to Nina and taking a hand. I mean, that, yeah, that line is just not necessary. It's just that, like, he'd already put the nail in the coffin. He didn't need to but it, tell her she looks ugly Yeah, but ugly this comes back cries, to, like, the Herrick's true so. self coming out, doesn't it? This is, this is really who he is. Yeah. It's that talk in a, thing, oh, yeah, it's the end of series one. Where Herrick said to George, Mitchell has the darkest heart of all of us. And I think we discussed it on the pod before that I think that was just to make, to be Mitchell's hype man almost. That he doesn't really have the heart, darkest heart because he wouldn't be trying to be human all this time. He wouldn't be trying to fight all these things. Whereas, whereas Herrick does have the darkest heart mm. because that is who he's... He, he was probably fundamentally like that as a human being as well. Yeah, so Mitchell ushers Kara away, but she grabs a, a... What did you say it was? I thought it was a knitting needle. Is it a knitting needle? Yeah, but I'm it's, not a, sure wood, it's this a wooden is a thing. I'm not that well-versed in vampire mythology, but does it have to be wooden? The only one that I'm thinking that I don't know if it is actually wood is later in this series when Annie yeah. mistakes that police guy. Um, but all the all the other ones are wood. So yes, yeah, she uh, she she has a suicide by wooden knitting needle. 
which I I bet that's a TV first. I bet even in Midsummer Murders, there's not a death by wooden yeah. Actually, there probably is. You know, didn't someone in that? Um, uh, and then there were yeah. none. That Agatha Christie that um, Aidan Turner was in. I think someone <laughs> died by knitting needle in that. I think I might be making up. They were knitting at the time. Whether they got killed by a knitting needle or not, I don't know. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think it. I think it has happened more often than you I, think. I watched a bit of *Midsummer Murders* <laughs> the other day, and I just um, I wanted to uh, poke my eyes out with cocktail sausages. Is it a running theme? <laughs> no, not with the actual oh, yeah. with the sausages. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite an image, isn't it? Oh my god! <laughs> I meant the um. Oh, fucking hell. Alright, here's the thing. I bet even Midsummer Murders hasn't even done a death by cocktail sausages storyline. No, I'm going to write one you tomorrow. Write it. And I'm going to send it them. to all TV producers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. Cocktail stick. That's what I meant. Yeah. I'm sorry for anyone who's got an image of me poking my eyes with cocktail sausages now. Um, so yes essentially like it's that nastiness Mm. and manipulation that Herrick's always had and it's creeping out more and more yeah so the Kara thing this is the most we've ever seen her in an episode really because if you think about it she's always been like a bit part here and there and she's quite a central piece of this episode and she's got quite Mm -hmm. that's that scene with Mitchell and then Annie it's quite a long big scene and the purpose of her, I guess, mm-hmm. coming in is, like, she's made Mitchell change stats because he's not going to kill Herrick anymore. And it's made us see the dark heart that is lurking underneath Herrick. Uh, do, you, do you think her return was worth it? And do you think it was a good ending for her? <laughs> Death by cocktail sausages. <laughs> um... I think that if we hadn't yeah. seen her at the end of series you... two, then like because we saw yeah. her there, we're going to expect to see her again. Um, so yeah, she did need to come back at some point. What else did you ask? Yeah. Was it a good, a good? I think definitely. Her, her. I think so. I think her identity mm. as a vampire was so connected to Herrick that um for him to and it just shows how nasty because he know well i don't i think he knows that even if he's got amnesia he knows that and he mm. was just like no i'm just gonna take that away from her um but yeah the purpose because she does get a lot of screen time and i don't know about that whole scene with her and annie um I feel like they just went over stuff that's already been gone over, but it kind of built Kara up so that she had, like, so we were more familiar with her and so that it was um, more of a blow, maybe. Yeah, I think that's what it is. We felt more sorry for her when she did die. We've gone over stuff with her because obviously we know, like, Herrick recruited her. Um, it's not something I thought about before in that in that sense. Like, I guess it's such a short little moment that she says that. 
but also I think that they they're just describing because if you're a casual viewer of the show, you might not. I don't. I don't why do those people exist? The nutters, fucking nutters, <laughs> with their lives. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, they. They might not <laughs> fully remember a small character from series one and series two. They might go, oh, I recognise her, but I don't remember her, what it was. So maybe that's just to help the viewer along with that one, maybe. Yeah. But I think that for the episode, it I think it maybe needed something, some kind of climax earlier mm. on. Um, and that Kara's death provided that because... Um, yeah, some kind of other threat other than just this simmering Herrick, what's going on with him. And I think that, that Kara being there and her providing that adds a diff as a, yeah, that's a, a good adds point. kind of yeah, it's, a I mean, earlier on in the episode. Yeah. Kara to me has always been like the female equivalent of Seth. You know, they're they're both quite simmering characters, they're both fucking stupid. Mm. <laughs> but I think Kara has a bit more, you can have a bit more empathy with Kara and a bit more understanding of Kara, whereas where Seth was just an idiot. She, in a sense, got a bit of a better ending yeah. than Seth did. Uh, next up, it's not so much a knee yeah. trembler by the bins, but a tearjerker as a furious Mitchell is punching the shit out of a load of bin bags. I, <laughs> I fully noticed it this time because obviously I'm, I'm taking notes or whatever and blah, blah, blah for the pod. But he takes... All the bin bags out of the probably four or five bin bags out of it, and then puts them all back in. So he's hiding. How? He's got Kara's he? rucksack and all her clothes, and he's because I thought he that... looks like he's hiding. Yeah, something, he's but getting the, rid the, of her stuff. The the, the, diary, the scrapbook is still upstairs in the attic. So I'm thinking, what's he hiding? How have you noticed that? Does do you actually see him put it in the bin? No. I I think I just kind of put two and two together, but I think you do see. I think she had one of those massive, like, backpacker rucksacks, and um, I think he's shoving that in I've there. I've never made that connection. And, um, yeah, so that he's he's disposing of the evidence of Kara. And I was just listening to your um, episode with Sasha and uh, it did make me chuckle a bit I was like is this how they get rid of the bodies <laughs> <laughs> they just like empty the wheelie bin put it in I, I don't think they do that but I think they've got practice of disposing oh, this is of why you're here vampire clothing. never never even occurred to me that that was what he was doing uh yeah, yeah. but any any approaches him and yeah. he just snaps he says what do you want from me you want every little corner of me but I just don't want to give it I was in love with the idea of being a hero, a rescuer, your saviour. That's what I was in love with, not you. He's, and again, he's being fucking harsh, a bit like he was with Annie in the kitchen earlier. Mm. I mean, it's obviously doesn't feel like that. He's just pushing Annie away because his world's closing in on him. He doesn't want to hurt Annie. So this is... I mean, he's hurting her, either way, because it's all fucked up. But, like, he's push, he's pushing her away, isn't he? Yeah, pushing her away, but also I think he kind of is venting. Like, he's really frustrated, mm. and for some reason, she's the one he's lashing out at in this episode. Yeah. I think anything like. Because she's asking him questions that he doesn't want to answer, he's, he's probably viewing that as 
encroaching too much onto mm. him where he, he was a bit like Annie was clingy earlier in the series wasn't she and I think that's what Mitchell's picking up on especially when he wants mm. to just be angry and be on his own and I guess she's not leaving him alone yeah but he can't do that and be in a relationship uh, yeah so Annie retreats to her chair and sobs her heart out uh, downstairs there's this big meeting with Wendy mm. uh, Herrick clocks Annie walking into the room and tests the waters knowing that things are amiss and he says I'd like to stay here with just the five of us and he realises Annie, uh, Wendy cannot see Annie again this is another he's just picking up on everything that's going on in the household and just using it to his advantage isn't he yeah although he makes a big deal out of not being able to see Annie, but not the fact that Kara just disappeared into a puff of smoke um, a little while ago. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that that's totally normal, but oh my god, someone's invisible. <laughs> why did someone die after putting cocktail sausages in their eyes? Why did they just disappear? What's that about? <laughs> yeah I, yeah okay yeah that's a good point he's not questioning that although i mean he probably is obviously because yeah he's just internalizing that george takes uncle billy upstairs while wendy discovers there's some issues with the documents and this as discussed in the previous episode uh is a sign that nina is loosening her moral code to save the day she has to be fucking horrible to protect the household, essentially, doesn't she? She said, I'm going to report you for negligence. You arrived late, bombed on, on Red Bull, and now you accuse me of fraudulently inventing a vulnerable relative just to cover up the fact that you've deleted his records. Store step by the tabloids is going to seem like a walk in the park when I'm done with you. What's your manager's number, Wendy? I am going to unleash a sit storm. Such a brilliant line and really brilliantly delivered. <laughs> yeah, by me, you're correct, yeah. It's beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, well done, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, and Annie's just looking on like, what the fuck is happening? But also, Mitchell clocks it from outside the room and he looks genuinely impressed. And I think this is the first time he's ever looked impressed by Nina. In the attic, George and Herrick are having what could only be considered a fairly normal conversation considering what's going on in this weird house. George, did I do something to you? Some injustice, some injury? George confronts the elephant in the attic. Just stop it. Enough. You know. You know. You remember. Referring to his resurrection, he says, All he remembers is snow. These women wiping their blood in my mouth. George raises the Star of David to his face. And this just leaves Herrick looking a bit perplexed. You're a Jew. I'm not one of those sorts of people. Anti-Semites. I'm not one of those. And yeah, this is more another example of this whole episode. is a great game of cat and mouse between different levels of truth or or I, it, it's just so all over the place i think that's why i love it because it's so subtly done that you just wouldn't you'd never picture a, a scene where if you consider the face-off between george and herrick at the end of series one and now look at that conversation that they're having now it's so weird mm-hmm. and i think it's really weird for george but i yeah. think he's also really relieved to be able to have that conversation with someone no because I don't think Mitchell's been that person that he can have it with. And he's trying to be strong and stuff for Nina. 
Um, so to have older man telling you like it's gonna be alright. I think he really needed that, but it's also really bizarre that it's coming from Herrick. Yeah, he says, "What was it I, I did to you? And did you do something to me?" And George says, "You could say that." Herrick says, "I apologize. Whatever it was, must have been pretty serious." You don't seem the type to be violent, and you're going to be a father too. And it's yeah, like I say, it's so surreal that they're just giving a little tap on the supportive tap on the face. It's yes, there's game playing going on there, but George doesn't see that. And also the fact that everyone's perception of Herrick through the episode mm. constantly changes as well. No one's on a straight line with where they are with Herrick, and Herrick himself is certainly not on any straight line with what he's doing either, is he? No, but I think he knows, Herrick knows that George is the one to keep me safe from Mitchell and so I need to get him on side and I think what he, he he gives George what he needs in that moment to be able to trust him. So downstairs, a sobbing Wendy is being rung by her manager but Nina declines to call. She says, I'm going to do you a very big favour, okay? You write up like nothing's happened, sign it off and we keep it between us. Yeah, and it's also like when Wendy goes to the car, I think it's a nice little touch that uh, Annie moves the tissues a little closer for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Annie's not comfortable uh, what... with that No. What then follows is a Nina Mitchell standoff, and I love a Nina Mitchell standoff, uh, as he reluctantly offers her some praise, and she says, I'm not proud of it. And he sternly says, it can't be helped. You did what was necessary. Mm. And as you... What sulks off up the stairs, she says, wait, I didn't agree. If we're really going to execute the amnesiac psychiatric patient, like with the governor of shitting Texas or something, then we should all have a vote. And I didn't get my vote. George, uh, Mitchell's not having any of this. He says, Nina, William Herrick has achieved something that nobody else has managed to do in over two millennia. He is a vampire at the very height of his power. And every second he grows stronger... Now he can't hurt Annie. Not me, not now. Things have changed. You, George and the baby, Herrick will annihilate you. And I love it when Nina squares up to him and says, I think there's a poison in you which has nothing to do with being a vampire. So yeah, I think you do enjoy it. I love it. I love them facing off it so good. Yeah, Nina's really strong in this bit. She's just telling him how it is. I think it's been simmering since... Oh, since they left the facility, <laughs> she's been meaning to say all yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then suddenly Mitchell thinks Nina is the fate he awaits. Nina, a little bullet. I'm going to make you so proud. I'm going to do what ne- what's needs to be done because you don't. I don't need your permission for anything. And he storms off upstairs. Mm. Uh, as you just mentioned, series two, Herrick says, it's coming. And almost like a reference to that last episode, this too, maybe. Mm. Yeah, and George blocks him off. Uh, and, it, and this is where the disintegration of the relationship is really starting to, to show up here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, George will not let him kill Herrick. Herrick is a vampire, but he doesn't know he's one. He doesn't remember all the things he's done. When he did remember, he was punished, but now he doesn't. And Mitchell's desperation seeps out. George says, you are asking me to look away and I can't look away anymore because I've looked away with you. And that's a big hammer over the head saying he knows about the box tunnel 20. Yeah, and I can really see it in George's 
they face that how sort of pained he is that ah that he's just yeah he's just like I can't do it anymore I've got to bring a baby into the world and I don't want them to live in this world that we're living in right now so and oh yeah it's it's an amazing performance by Russell yeah yeah it is yeah I think everyone's on top of their game to be fair it's it's all amazing but yeah like you say he says I'm going to be a father soon how to teach my son or daughter about humanity and that someone is worthy of redemption no matter what they've done that someone can be forgiven their sins no matter how unforgivable that is the ultimate test you're my best friend I've ever had probably ever will have but I will turn my back on you I will wipe you from my memory and I will never mention your name again I will never tell my son or daughter I had a friend called Mitchell it will be as if we never met that's it now you make your choice like he's saying I can overlook the box tunnel 20 for some reason but if you do this now despite me telling you not to then we're done yeah yeah Yeah, and I think it's I think it's it's the case that George does always ultimately listen to Nina even if it takes a little time to seep through he does understand and he does listen to her and and accepts that she's the the morality of it Nina's right yeah even though Let's be honest, they should fucking kill Herrick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, given what you know, you can see eventually, yeah. Yeah, you can see both sides because, you know, Herrick is you know, as Mitchell just said, he's he's a monster. I, I guess and that's the conflict of the whole episode, isn't it? That's what it's about. Do we do what we do we do the right thing and which what is the right thing? Yeah. And he goes up the stairs to see Herrick playing with a train set rather unironically. And he says, you really intrigued me, little lady. Again, this is another thing where the confidence in Herrick is just growing and growing. He's becoming more arrogant. Uh, Herrick is trying to do what he did to Kara, putting Annie down. Another amazing one-off stand-up for, uh, standoff for this episode because Annie is fucking amazing in this scene. He, he asks, what are you? And she says, what am I? Onto you is what I am. I'm onto you, little man. And then when she goes away, Herrick just turns around and has that naughty little grin as well. Yeah. Yeah, I can't figure this scene out. But yeah, Annie is like... No, I don't, I'm not dealing with it. I can't figure out what Herrick's approach is. Um, and I'm at uni and I'm learning all kinds of things. So now I'm just thinking he's being misogynistic. But... um. <laughs> I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. But I also think he's picking up on the household dynamics, isn't he? He's picking up on George's vulnerability of, you know, being a dad and, you know, he's and his kind heart. He's picking up on what he's seen of Annie around the house in the little time he's been there. And the fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, he's utilizing the fact that she is literally invisible to most of the world. Yeah. And, yeah, the only one so far he hasn't manipulated, and he's manipulating Nina, but the only one he hasn't is Mitchell, because, as things stand, he doesn't want Mitchell anywhere near (laughs) No, no. I'm not going to spend two minutes alone with that guy. But, yeah, you know, it's it's the whole subverting of everything that's going on. Like, Mitchell and George wanted Herrick dead at the beginning. Now they don't. Annie wanted him alive. 
now she wants him dead. Mm. Nina is only so far at the moment the one that is consistently like, no, we're not killing him. Mm. But yeah, I, th- I think it's a it's a great standoff, and I love the fact that Annie stands up to him and she's like, oh, yeah, I, I I've got you, sus mate. Yeah, maybe she he tried to manipulate her, and she would. Well, she's had that line has just been thrown at her so many times. Like you're a bit peripheral, you know. Yeah, you're not it. really. And so uh, go Annie for being like, nah, people are throwing this at me too many times. I'm I'm not I'm not going to get upset by it anymore. But Owen did it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. same exactly the same thing. So Annie charges in on Mitchell. He's in bits and says he's losing his mind. And when she offers to kill Herrick, Annie is told that she is not strong enough. I think about who I love, what and who I love, and I think about them in danger, and I could tear this bloody house down with my teeth. Mitchell, of course, stops her because he wants Herrick still alive. There's also a bit here that I don't particularly like, where Mitchell is pleading and going oh i'm just a terrible man you know yeah. you're the love of me you it's forever and all that kind of stuff i just think how much of that does he believe and how much of it is he's just trying to nullify annie so she doesn't go upstairs and kill him i don't know if it's that i feel like maybe he's he's just feels like he's losing george and he's like i need to grab onto somebody mm. um and i don't think annie buys what he's blabbering about either but just kind of knows that he needs a hug right now yeah, yeah. the irony being that if Annie did storm upstairs and stake him in that incident in, instant, then he wouldn't have noticed the dodgy floorboard mm. yeah it would have all stayed buried <laughs> Nina brings Herrick in some tea and he's standing there like a soldier on parade albeit a soldier in a summery shirt <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those iconic being human images, isn't it? Him just standing there like that. Well, yeah. I've seen something. I think you should see it. And what follows in the next few minutes of telly will always give me goosebumps every time I see it. A dirge by Death in Vegas kicks in. And Herrick is showing Nina the macabre diary. And even here, Herrick is playing tricks. As Nina retreats down the stairs to be sick, Mitchell says to George, I choose you. Uh, But at the same time, getting a glare from Nina. (laughs) Uh, Nina flees the house and goes down the road to make a phone call. Uh, Mitchell, stake in the back of his pocket, steps up to the attic and grabs a chair and purchases himself in front of Uncle Billy. If this amnesia was a bluff, even you would be cracking by now. So let's take it from the top. William Herrick, born 1843, made vampire in 1890, who survived a werewolf attack. I love Herrick's little moment. He's like under a blanket, looking like a frail old man. If you don't mind me saying, old son, so old son, I think you've been touched with the simple (laughs) stick. You survived it and found a way back, which means you've got something I want. If I have to dig that secret out of your skull with my nails, I'll do it. I'm going to make you tell me everything. Herrick takes a stand, gazes out the window across the barrier rooftops, and then we hear Nina's message to the police. She says, you need to come to Barry need to talk to a man called John Mitchell and Herrick turns to Mitchell and utters it's going to be the most beautiful day oh, I love it <laughs> <laughs> that last 15 minutes of that episode it just every time and then you just go like whoa that that all just happened in one day yeah oh where, yeah. where, where do you think 
when I first saw this, I thought, this is the greatest hour of telly I've ever seen. I was so excited by it. And now I'm doing the podcast and I'm, I'm going through it. I mean, it's still up there. It's still very high to me, but I think there are better episodes of Being Human. I'm not sure there's many better 15 minutes, bulks of 15 of Being Human as that, that last yeah. 15 minutes. But um, where do you, where is it for you? Like, do you, is it one you hold in high regard? I think so. I think I remember just having my heart in my mouth the first time mm. I watched it the whole the whole way through. Um, and yeah, the last 15 minutes, just like everything was getting turned upside down. Um, like I said, it's not one that I would go back to as in like, I want to watch a quintessential being human episode. <laughs> Um, wow, it is to me. I, I, I mean, I genuinely sometimes <laughs> go, if there's nothing, I'll flip through telly and go, eh, nothing on. I'm going to watch The Longest Day. <laughs> I'm sick in the head, aren't I? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just that it's so tense and it's so anxious. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and you just... That, that's what you like to relax with, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I think I probably live in such a permanent state of anxiety. Like, fictional anxiety is is almost calming. (laughs) Someone else's anxiety to worry about. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely up there um, in, like, the construction of the whole episode and how it kind of is so claustrophobic. No, like I said, I think I, I think I'd like something with some more jokes in it if I was going to watch a quintessential being human episode. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I mean, like, like you say about the being claustrophobic, the the direction is brilliant as well because mm-hmm. the house is used as a, an extra character in this, isn't it? Yeah. So it all adds to the yeah. the world falling in and I think it's a good metaphor for Mitchell because he even says at the end I'm losing my mind it's like it's not just the world closing in on Mitchell or the house closing in on Mitchell it's like it's closing on on everybody all right anything else to add apart from I don't know if you caught me saying it earlier but I hated Annie's jumper in this episode Annie's jumper one of her worst (laughs) yeah it was all kind of frilly around the neck, and I'm like, "This is, this is, the it, I don't know. It felt sort of hyper feminized and cutesy, Annie, rather than powerful Annie." Um, ah, so was that different to the, the rest of the series so far? Is it? Ah, uh, off the top of my head, I don't know, but I think that that's that. This is the only episode we see this particular. Jumping. Yeah, I guess. Like, I guess. Yeah, I I did notice it was different, but I probably didn't just. I just overlooked it. Probably didn't clock in what way it was different. But then, yeah, I guess in series one and series two they didn't really play about much with what Annie was wearing, but now they have done. No, they play around loads. Shush. Mikey. You need to pay more attention. Shush. <laughs> She's got like power costumes and she's got cozy costumes and she's got but this one just yeah 
I, yeah, I didn't like it, but maybe it's just playing into her being something. What, what can I... Just being this house person. What can I say? I was just looking at her lovely face all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, the, the whole argument about, like, what she's wearing is down to different powers or where she is mentally and all that. I mean, you can try and blag that all you like it's just not true <laughs> it's just no but it's it's subtle it's yeah. putting different ideas in people's yeah. heads yeah okay well next time I watch The Longest Day which might be uh, tomorrow yeah. <laughs> when there's nothing on the telly yeah when there's nothing on yeah I will, I will clock Annie's frillies yeah <laughs> enjoy no comment <laughs> Many thanks to Shu, she, I mean Elizabeth Price for coming on the show. Her contribution is as valuable as ever. Price valuable. Okay, uh, so to clear up uh, notes from the afterlife, this is just where we, or I rather, just touch on little things that we covered in the episode, and if there's anything to add. And I was just thinking about this whole Herrick thing in the psych ward, as uh, they call it in the episode. I wonder if the choice for them to do it that way is so that we can see that Herrick is vulnerable and out of his depth, which is something we've never seen him before, and he's scared and frightened. And maybe that is a way to introduce us to the fact that something isn't right with Herrick. And if it had just been... A standard ward where everyone was just sat around but then you could still have him behaving that way maybe you could have him behaving that way and everyone else is right around him so you'd still see that yeah I mean yeah there's it's obviously a choice to do it that way but um it's not something I thought about until recent recent years when I've watched it and I thought mm, maybe that's not the way to do it but then of course it's you know it's it's being human, it's a heightened reality, it's not there's no need to take offence at something like that. But yeah, they 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 obviously made that choice for a reason. And uh also I don't think we gave enough credit to Nicola Walker and her performance. I guess I think the a lot of the reason for that is because a lot of her performance wasn't actually in what she said necessarily, it's more in her expressions and her body language. And uh, yeah, she's absolutely fucking fantastic in this episode. Here's a hot take. Nicola Walker is good. Write that down, guys. No one's ever said that before. And in terms of the whole wolf-shaped bullet thing, when Mitchell says to Nina that he thinks she's the bullet, in some way she kind of is. And I know it's all a self-fulfilling prophecy in the end, but Nina, by making that call to the police, directs the police and everything right on, not even on Mitchell's doorstep, in his living room. And that's where the chaos from the rest of the series ensues. So in some ways, Nina was a bullet, not not the ultimate bullet. She was a bullet. And also the writer, Sarah Phelps, it's worth just giving her a follow on Twitter. She's at Phelpsy Sarah. Uh, P-H-E-L-P-S-I-E Sarah and she's just really entertaining like her TV shows uh, just maybe a bit more sweary than her shows um, Elizabeth mentioned it earlier the 
and then there were none. She wrote that and other adaptations of Agatha Christie novels. But yeah, she's brilliant. She's done lots of things. I think she started off writing in EastEnders many years ago. I saw her at the Pilot TV 200th recording. Uh, She had been interviewed there like about a year or so ago. Uh, Wildly entertaining on Twitter. So yes, do give her a follow. And lastly, just a bit of cast watch. Uh, There's a new series on Netflix. Well, it's about a month old now called Bodies. It's a madly entertaining retro stroke futuristic uh, sci-fi show where basically a naked body is discovered in four different time zones and there's a whole big mystery about it in it we've got quite a few being human alumni we've got amy manson who played daisy we've got alexandra roach obviously who played sasha and we've got mark lewis jones who famously in being human is a carpet salesman stroke vampire stroke creep but yeah it's it's a wildly entertaining show it's madcap and we watched it in like two or three days elements of it are a little bit cheesy gotta be honest but if you just want to go along for a madcap ride i fully recommend bodies on netflix so i'll sign out as i sign in with dog scratch deer by henry's funeral shoe until next time i'm off for a knee trembler by the bins was the Box Tunnel Podcast, and thanks!